0: Hello, my friends. Welcome back. My guest today is Rob Lipsett, Irish YouTuber and fitness model. While I was out in Dubai, I managed to get a hold of him and strap him to a chair. He is, without a doubt, the loudest, friendliest, and most positive human I think I've ever met. Uh, it makes for a fascinating episode. We go everywhere, from his advice for anyone trying to start a YouTube channel, to why he can't wait for our robot overlords, and whether or not he thinks we're living in a simulation what he's learned from a decade of bodybuilding, how he deals with haters, and much more. It's so funny to sit down with someone who appears to turn on a outgoing personality for their YouTube videos, and you realize that they actually have to tone it down because they are far more hyperactive than they let on. Yeah, it's a really wonderful insight. Rob's a great dude. Good luck as well with your fuel cakes business, buddy, if you want to get some sick protein pancakes. Check out the end of the episode to find out all about them. But for now, it's time for the positive and wonderful Rob Lipsit.
1: Why didn't I get iced? god damn it
0: mate what can i say if you get the special service in here this is what goes on yeah second podcast
1: i'll get some ice
0: ladies and gentlemen welcome back i'm joined by the one and only rob lipset how are you brother
1: what's going on i'm great i'm happy to be here beautiful views rendered by sun's shining life is good just dropped the mercedes off yeah 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 nice two-day rental (laughs) that flex
0: 2020 has been mad, man. How's this year been for you?
1: You know what? Um, I'm very into perspective and gratitude and compared to, you know, what, what some people have been through this year for some, haven't got Corona. <laughs> you know, that's great. And like, you know, I haven't lost my job Um, and, and I've still been able to remain a little bit of normality. So it's been great in, in terms of the context of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure.
0: What about stuff that you wish you'd been able to change? Looking back on twenty twenty, any areas that you thought were weaknesses?
1: For sure. So a really annoying thing was I did this like big series. Like I got fired up. I guess I did episode five about me competing again. Yes. You know, going back to the men's physique stage, and I was like, nothing will stop me. I got this. And then Corona was like and you're gone <laughs> so it was kind of funny that like I got on day 30 at a, ni- a 90 day prep a 90 day series and it was going really well <laughs> and I was literally like my favourite my favorite motto is, I'll either find a way or make one like in other words no excuses then I was like apart from Corona that's an excuse <laughs> So look, you, you, some things are outside of my control, um, um, but that's it. But no, I'm happy with the way, way things went, and uh, I wouldn't really change much.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I'm fascinated with about yourself is that you seem to be quite an effective serial monogamist. <laughs> so you've been in and out of a bunch of relationships that people who are fans of your channel will have noticed. Yeah. And you're able to balance those seemingly with traveling, with doing the YouTube thing, like every girlfriend becomes like a second videographer. <laughs> oh my god, that's
1: so true. I'm like, I got it. first date. It's like, right. So, um, how are you on final Cut Pro? <laughs> I was like, color grading skills, yeah. Um, and and what about you know? Do you know how to work music bed? <laughs> no copyright music. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah.
0: So talk to me about that because uh, people who just live normal lives struggle to keep a relationship together. Yeah. What's your principles for having a good relationship?
1: Yeah, so I was in, when I first started YouTube, I was in a six-year relationship at the time. So I was like 18, we started going out, and then I started YouTube when I was 22. So, you know, we'd known other for so many years. She was just like cool with it. She was really encouraging. And then, you know, obviously we part ways. We're all good now. And then I was single for a bit, okay? And me and Mike talk about this. We we're saying how... It can be difficult to handle dating life, you know, being single, like, you know, dating a few different people or maybe, you know, just seeing someone once and YouTube, especially if you go, let's say you're on a weekend away with them and, like, you're in a cool place, you wanna record it, you don't know this person well enough to be like, can you get a clip for me? (laughs) Or or it's like, you don't wanna vlog it because, like, I got about 10 other chicks on the go. They probably watch this channel. (laughs) So being single and YouTube, um, especially if you're you're playing the field is quite difficult. So having a partner that understands what you do um is, is super helpful. And so uh, Linda, the the girl, I've been with her two years. She is just so good with it. Like like I'm like fair play for putting up with me, <laughs> you know. So she's great, but but yeah, you, you certainly got to train them in. And I I think being single with YouTube is actually more difficult. Why in a sense? Because again, the dating stuff and also. What I noticed when I was on my my single stint is that dating takes up a lot of time. You know, DMing takes up a lot of time.
0: Swiping right. Yeah,
1: I'm like, I could be editing a video or get doing some clearing out my email inbox, but I'm DMing you. <laughs> you know, so and, and you know, you're 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 so you're going on dates and drinking. You know, you might be when. It's like when you first start seeing someone, you drink more of them because you get to know, know them. And like now we're happy to go for a meal without having a drink, you know, when you're comfortable with someone. But so, so I think being single is um, it takes up a lot more time. So I think having a good person in your life helps with like business and YouTube or whatever it is.
0: One of the things I think is interesting is a lot of friends would be significantly more effective out of their relationship. We all know a buddy who's in a terrible relationship. Yeah, the They're constantly being told by their partner, guy or girl, why are you not seeing me? You're seeing your friends. You're choosing your friends over me. And what that causes is people to not pursue their goals and aspirations and dreams because they have to keep this other person who's supposed to be a part of that journey, they have to actually take a step away from that journey in order to keep that person satisfied. Yeah. So I think that's a misalignment, but... What you also see is when people get into the right relationship, that that actually can benefit and and supercharge their progress. I would say, on balance, I know more people in relationships that I think are actually holding them back. Oh, for sure, I completely agree with
1: that. Keeping them going forward, is that what you see? Yeah, absolutely. And funny enough is that'll actually turn your girlfriend off you. You know, if you stop focusing on your goals um, and, you know, you, you you start simping over her and, oh, it's all about you, you know, that's that's not attractive. You know, like most girls in general or most relationships, you know, they, they love to see their other half as someone on a mission, someone driven towards their goal. And, and Linda even says that to me herself, like seeing me, you know, just start the pancake company yesterday, she was like, sit down right now. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, you like those flipping pancakes. But seriously, you, your ride right is most relationships can derail people off their goals, and it's actually that's going to affect your relationship negatively. So, yeah.
0: The thing about the, uh, someone slowing their life down is so correct. It's kind of like, you know, when you first meet somebody and you look from the outside in and you're like watching a roller coaster go by at a theme park, and you're like, holy shit. Look at all the loop-de-loops. It's so varied. I've never been on a roller coaster like this before. It looks like it's, it's been really well thought out like and <laughs> quite established. And then, after you've waited in line and decided to buy your admission, you actually find out that it's like the kiddies Kermit the Frog ride.
1: <laughs> hey, like- I love that ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the only ride I'm tall enough to get on. <laughs> but it's
0: just doing the same thing over and over. And you thought that you were getting this extravagant, very adventurous, varied life. Yeah. And you're totally correct. That kills a lot of attraction. I think as well, talking from a guy's perspective one of the reasons that I get disinterested with girls is when I feel like I've got nothing new to kind of learn about them or no new insights. And again, if someone's constantly growing and learning and trying to do new things and on a mission, that's going to help to keep that spark alive. Of course,
1: that's attractive. You know, you're being driven and ambitious. That's just something that humans are attracted to and for a good reason. If you would
0: marry your partner, I think that's such a dangerous position to be in because you can't not be attracted to them. If they fit all of the other criteria and you admire them, you're like, holy shit. Like being with you is going to make me a better person Yeah, and you're hot.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's the fucking double threat, isn't it? Exactly, it's a double whammy. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: what else, man? Like, do you guys
1: ever struggle with YouTube
0: stuff? Does it ever kind of get in the way of the relationship? Of
1: course, for sure. And But I've gotten a little bit better about that and I've learned from previous relationships is like sometimes just put the camera away. What were the mistakes the that you were making
0: just trying to constantly get content when yeah. you should have been just enjoying Yeah, fun.
1: exactly. Like I remember it was a few years ago it was in 2016 um, being an ex we went to like Bali or something and I was just like it was my first time ever there and I was like oh Bali this is the YouTuber's dream. <laughs> I need to vlog every day. And like, we ended up just not enjoying the trip. So, so I learned a lot of lessons from that one. So sometimes you gotta just put the camera down and enjoy the moment. And oftentimes, even in terms like videos, some of my most viewed videos are when you're just sitting down and talking about a topic, you know? So, so sometimes you don't need to show everything and, oh, look, I'm driving a Mercedes. Oh, oh, I'm in Bali. You know, most of all, people just want to be informed and educated or entertained. I actually took like this marketing on course online. I studied business and marketing in college, but I dropped out. I learned more in this little online course. I swear to God. So I was studying this marketing course, and the the key takeaway point I got from that is when it comes to social media and making people want to share it you need to elicit an emotional response so it could be like entertained you know motivated inspired informed, anything you know even if they find it funny has to elicit a remote an emotional response to make them want to share it you know so this is interesting
0: even if you're not a content creator i think that everyone is kind of a pocket youtuber now with the fact that they're constantly taking instagram stories yeah and it is it is a balance right because <clears throat> I understand that people want to show other people that care about them what they're getting up to. Mm -hmm. But again, as we said before, the balance between people being in relationships that are maybe holding them back. I would also say that most people are overusing their content creation, Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever it might be, when they go away somewhere. And you think, fucking hell, man. Like, do you even watch, do you even go back through the archive of your IG stories? No. you can go back through your memories but you don't have the memories because you spent all your time
1: on your phone (laughs) so you're like flying
0: all the way to Bali to not remember being there (laughs) but to tell everyone else it's like everyone else gets to go on holiday and you get to be a cameraman it's dangerous man yeah
1: no it, it is and and I used to not think that like phones and technology and social media was you know that was that effective on human life or like the, in a bad way I, I was like oh it's fine you know I think phones are great and stuff but now this year with the amount of shit that's going on and how uh, polarized we all are I actually think social media and phones we, we need to tone it down a little bit on them mm-hmm. so that, that you know this year especially with the election in America the pandemic worldwide I'm like I've never seen the internet go crazier I know it, it's
0: wild and when people don't have anything to keep them calm and they've got, they've no social connection. They go to that. I don't know whether you've ever noticed this. I did, I was with a girl in LA for about 10 days and then I flew out to Hawaii on my own. And the time that I was with someone, I didn't look at my, I was my screen time was probably half an hour a day because we were constantly talking and going for lunch. The second that I was away from that person, my screen time was six hours a day, five hours a day because the screen was a surrogate friend. I didn't have anyone with me on the flight. I didn't have anyone with me in Hawaii. I made some friends in Hawaii, but until that point, I was like, I don't want, uh, what I'm hypothesizing is I don't want to be alone. Therefore, if I continue to use my phone and go on Instagram and watch YouTube and stuff like that it will make me feel less alone.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I watched like some clips from Johan Harry What's that? Is that my guy's right? Yeah, he's Yo- been on the show. Yeah, oh, no way! Yeah, damn, yeah. damn. What's up, Johan? Anyways, <laughs> I, I watched some bits from him, and it's how like, we're the loneliest we've ever been and all that. And so there's some really interesting stuff there. And yeah, it's, just, it's just like our phone's like a crutch. You know? There's
0: a, a really interesting statistic from America. The study was done in 1950, and they asked Americans... What is the, uh, how many friends could you call on in a crisis? And the most common answer was two. And now in 2019, the most common answer was none. That's not the average, <laughs> but it's the most common answer. More people had none than had any other answer, wow. which is pretty scary. Um, so yeah, I, I think that connection is, uh, is something, in, especially in 2020, man. I'll be interested to see what happens. I wonder whether coming back out of lockdown and this pandemic, people will yearn for social contact so much more that maybe they become a bit more empathetic and they become a little bit more like, Uh, together you know yeah
1: yeah. bound together yeah I think they will and that's me being you know Mr. Positive Optimist unrelentingly positive yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, fuck you guys (laughs) (laughs) of here yeah
0: I know be a bit more English for a second
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. or a bit more Irish we're a begrudging nation (laughs) but (laughs) but I I, I think that you know people are dying to go to festivals people are dying to go to events and parties and stuff so I hope so or maybe we'll just all be released out in the streets and fight each other perhaps if you're yeah. Irish, yeah. yeah, that's the Irish way, anyways. Yeah. yeah, I think growing up, I was actually I've been in about 100 street fights, Jesus. yeah, yeah. It's Is like,
0: that just like a rite of passage? Pretty
1: much, especially like when you're young. Once I got like around like 19 20, I haven't been in fights since then, you know, because that's when you get like you have to go, go to jail, it's serious, like, consequences serious but when you're young, it's crazy in, in Dublin, like someone drinks it in the park, you know, when there was a fight. And people just yeah. come to me and they're like, you've got a punch in the face. <laughs> and I get punched <laughs> yeah. in the face. Sadly, yeah, I do. Yeah. Sadly, I do. Yeah, I'm like, that's why my nose looks like this. It goes way to the left. I wish I didn't say that, though, no, because now everyone's going to notice. Yeah, Rob's nose does actually go lot yeah. to the left. Yeah, yeah, YouTube yeah. career over. It's
0: like, yeah. I can't watch this guy yeah. anymore. I'm done with this unsymmetrical <laughs> face. Uh, talk to me about your training styles changed over the last few years.
1: Yeah, so... When I started off, like, useless, like, didn't know anything, and information was not nearly as easy accessible as it is now. So, like, you know, YouTube, YouTube fans like me and Mike's, they weren't really as popular, and you'd read magazines, which were, you'd read Kai Green's routine. And you'd be like, all right, what I'm doing now, (laughs) 16-year-old Rob, who's not on glorious amounts of trend is gonna try Kai Green's routine. So I remember I would like a bicep day, a tricep day, a forearm day, a calf day, a chest day, a trap day. It would be like 10 days till I got around to hitting chest and legs again. So when it started off, it was useless cause just there was not good information out there. But then as the years went on, better information started coming into the scene. Uh, so it got much better. And then around 2016, I was like prepping for my first show. And I was like fully addicted and I was taking training like probably the most serious I ever did in my life. And then the last couple of years, three years, I've kind of like, you know, built a solid physique. I've learned how to incorporate that training and my diet into my lifestyle. And so now I'm like, I can finally enjoy myself a little bit. So I know how to like, you know, eat a meal out and kind of, you know, not, not you know, like for example, if I'm eating meal night, I'll know just save a few calories for it. Do some cardio. Know how to balance it really. So yeah, my training is a lot more balanced now. Um, there are my three phases: so beginner, noob, extreme, and now you know balance.
0: I don't think that people existing in 2020 can understand what 2010, 2012. <laughs> World was like for fitness information <laughs> as you're trawling through bodybuilding.com forums Bro. and t and tea Nation,
1: <laughs> and simply through,
0: shredded. Yeah, and desperately trying to find like how much, how many grams of pre digested amino's do I need to have before Bro. and after, like all of that stuff. That whole world, it was kind of a bit of a glory era because no one knew what the fuck they were doing. I agree. I, I
1: kind of found it super interesting and in, enjoyable in a weird way. I was kind of like. Will this supplement do anything? Probably not. I'll spend £100 on it anyway. Probably not, but I'm going to buy it. Do you
0: remember... (laughs) I can't remember... Who was Jay Cutler associated with back in the day? Was it Nitroflex? MuscleTech. MuscleTech. Didn't they have a product where they were like... um, When you open the lid little particles of it are going to come out so you have to not have the lid open for more than five seconds do you remember that yeah
1: I remember and there was another one called No Explode you know like the original that was my my fucking go to that and Jack Track 3D it was just oh heaven so it was so funny when I'd opened the tub No Explode me and my friends would take a sniff (laughs) of it <laughs> and we'd be like, get can whip that nose, bro. Boys, straight through biceps. The world of like pre workouts. So I've
0: I've switched a little bit. I'm sort of doing more functional fitness now, and we just use Noco or caffeine basically as yeah. pre workouts. But. The world of like mad pre workout seems to have died
1: down a bit. In the bodybuilding world, is it like for that? Or sure. Are people
0: still going fucking mental?
1: No, it's it's gone down completely and the reason for that is that uh, meth is now banned. What a shame. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh god, I can redo some math right now. Everyone's like, wait, you aren't on math? <laughs> <laughs> But so basically the ingredient was 1,3-D-methylalmine. That was the one in Jack that and craze that made everyone go wild. And then obviously I think some chap in Australia snorted some pure 1,3-D and he, he like passed away or went crazy or something. And they're like, all right, we got to ban this. And then they banned all the other like mad ingredients in it. And so now it's like, it's pretty chill. I know, yes, is gone, there's always one guy that ruins the <laughs> fun for, for everyone, yeah, yeah no. and so I actually came out my own pre-workout in, in 2020, and like I did a collaboration with Ghost, which is the company I'm sponsored by, so that was a good highlight in 2020, I was like, made me feel kind of productive, you know, it was a cool, it was like a childhood dream, it's like my name on a pre-workout. Like young Jim Rob would dream of that, you know. But so basically, I got to design the ingredient profile, the flavors. Obviously, the flavor was whiskey sour. It's it's the only whiskey sour pre workout in the world, in the world. And so I got to design the ingredients, and it was pretty basic, you know. It was like um, it was like beta alanine, caffeine, you know, arginine, a few other bits in there. Um, But it it was very, very minimal ingredients.
0: What are the most common mistakes that you see people making with training? Like, you yeah. obviously spend a fair bit of time in the gym and you get a ton of questions from people. Like, what are the lowest hanging fruits that everyone fucks up?
1: Yep. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about training and diet here. So I've worked with thousands of people over the last seven years. In terms of training, is people copying other other people's plans you know and especially a beginner will see an advanced trainee especially if they're huge on instagram or they're a top bodybuilder and they'll just copy that routine and it's like if you're a beginner ideally you want to just be coming to terms with the main compound movements first you just want to be getting familiar with doing your form right you know instead of like getting caught up in supersets and drop sets and all these these uh you know, mind muscle techniques and all this. You know, just want to be getting good form down and doing the main movements regularly. Okay, so when I mean, you compare that to the training routine of a pro bodybuilder, it's just it's night and day. So that would be in terms of training. That would be the biggest mistake I see. And people also following training plans that they can't sustain. So it's like if your coach gives you an someone dude who has kids and a nine to five office job gives him a six day a week training plan that he's not going to stick to. It's just going to be all over the place. Whereas they give him like a three-day full-body routine that's like you know three hours a week, an hour an hour in the gym every session. He's going to progress that much more because he can stick to it and actually track it properly.
0: Is there so, a way that people can predict whether or not they're going to be able to comply with the training routine?
1: Basically, you just look at someone's schedule, you know, and their training age, and then it's pretty simple like that. You know, how many times a week can you realistically make it to the gym? Um, so that would be there are two training things that are probably the most common, especially for beginners. Then in terms of diet, here's the two, okay? i racks my head, okay? Pe- people think there's like magic foods that do certain things. And they think there's like healthy foods that they have to eat. Whereas for the most part, of course I recommend eating many whole foods so they can do a good nutrient dense diet. But for the most part, In terms of body composition, that's going to come down to your calorie and your macronutrient intake, so your protein, carbs, and fats. So your body doesn't necessarily see, like, potatoes or white rice. It just sees carbs, you know? So as long as you're getting those basics down, you're focusing on your total daily intake, which brings me on to my next point. That's the bread and butter. That's the the main thing. No bread, no bread. Yeah, no bread, butter ever. (laughs) So that's the main thing is, is focusing on, instead of focusing on certain foods, Focus on you know, the calorie and macro intake per day. Another one is timing. People get obsessed over timing, okay? Be it intermittent fasting, six meals a day, You know, post-workout, 15-minute anabolic window. Uh, oh, I have to have a certain food pre-workout that gives me a pump. Right, again, focus on what you eat in the entire day. A lot of lies have been made up by supplement companies saying, you need to drink this shake 14 minutes after your workout or your arms will disintegrate. Okay, so we've been led a lot of lies about um, about timing of, of the nutrients you take in. And especially even like people with intermittent fasting. I like intermittent fasting. I do it myself. But it's mainly just out of convenience and schedule and fit your lifestyle. People say like it has magical benefits that will change your life. If calories are equated, fat loss will be the same. And that is a fact. So, you know, people like to make things more complicated to sell the secret.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And
1: it's so basic. So they're the most common mistakes I've seen after training thousands of people for years. What's the
0: dumbest diet you've tried?
1: I think, yeah, yeah, probably be... Now, now keto people don't get offended, (laughs) okay? uh, First of all, the dumbest diet I've tried was keto. And again... It was more like low, really low carb. So when I first started out, um, I went on my first cut. I didn't really know much about like calories and macros, so I was like, I'm just going to get rid of carbs. I was like, I'm just gonna ditch carbs, man. That's what's doing and it. Man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, goddamn carbs. That's what's making me fat, okay? So I stopped eating carbs and of course I, I lost loads of fat because my calories were so low. And I was like, oh yeah, it was the carbs making me fat. Not realizing that all the matters in fat loss, not all, but the main thing is being in a calorie deficit, of course. So I didn't realize that, you know, I was like, oh, it was the carbs. I knew it was the carbs, but I didn't know by default the calories shot down. And then I obviously educated myself on, you know, dieting down properly and including carbs in your diet. So the next cut I went on, I looked completely different. I got just as lean, if not leaner, and I've held on to so much more muscle strength and felt better. And and it was Way more sustainable. You know, I, I managed to stay lean pretty much as long as I like because uh, I wasn't crash dieting and removing an entire food group <laughs> from my diet. You know, if you remove an entire food group from your diet, if it's significant, you're going to lose fat because of calories, not because you've removed this certain thing. You know, people's like, oh, I stopped eating bread and, you know, lost loads of weight. It was probably the bread. it was like, no, bitch, it was the calories. <laughs> You know so so that that's it and that's definitely the dumbest diet i've followed but i do know people who just you know they understand that calories is the main thing but they still like keto just because they they, they it's personal preference yeah so keto people calm down okay i i'm i'm with you partially <laughs> stares at microphone oh, no. please for the
0: love of god stop messaging me yeah, um, yeah. have you heard of the fitness menopause no. Right, no, no. so this is something that I came up with. Sounds odd. It's, it's slightly <laughs> odd, but I think everybody goes through it, right? Um, fitness menopause is when you get toward the end of your 20s, yep. especially as a guy, but also as a girl, who's trained for a significant period of time, maybe yep. started training in your late teens or early 20s, and you start to realize that actually what you're doing might not be making you fitter, but it might make you look fitter. And you become chronically aware of your own mortality as you approach thirty. You realize that, like going up a set of stairs, tires you out, and you're out of breath, and you can't touch your toes. And actually, my ankle hurts a bit, and oh, my chest like is super tight all the time. Blah blah blah. And what you do is you start looking toward different styles of training. Yeah. So you start looking toward yoga or Brazilian jiu jitsu or CrossFit or uh, you go back to doing dancing that you used to do as a young girl or whatever it might be. And there's a ton of Back in the day when I was a young girl. When you were a young girl, yeah, a young yeah, ballet dancer yeah, I'll in Ireland. i that after. The getting podcast. the shit kicked out of you, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. No one ever punched me in the face. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know why they punched me in the face yeah. i oh, Yeah, I
1: oh, know, yeah, yeah, and like I was just there, like, Irish dancing in the field, and no wonder I got a dick.
0: So this is something that I see, especially amongst my buddies and me, that we've all kind of made these little transitions. But you and Mike are both locked in hard on a long-term <laughs> journey of bodybuilding. Have you ever been tempted? Like, I'm going to try some martial arts. I'm going to try some CrossFit. I'm going to try some endurance sports.
1: Yeah, and- so so I've done um, got a good few MA sessions here and there because I'm mates with all the lads in SVG in Dublin. That's one think I really miss with Dublin as well. And I, I love it. You know, it's always fun. But I kind of just gravitate back towards the pump life you know I think it's just like my favorite style of training but with that said I do like changing things up from time to time and I do also like kind of enjoy more like activities like going on hikes with the missus you know a bit I'm not that like hardcore bodybuilding as I was maybe in like 2015 and 16 where it was like all about as much gain as possible actually Was used to be a slight eating disorder, as a lot of people in the fitness industry do, and I was afraid to like eat out even, you know, because I was like, I can't track this, you know, and so I definitely went through a hardcore phase, and now I'm a bit more relaxed with things, and funny enough, results are the same, if not better, you know. (laughs) So, something I think a
0: lot of people probably need to know that the neuroticism (sighs) that brackets between what they want to do and the effort that they do to get it that the way that you feel between those can be very different and you can still get the same results remember i did this i did this post a while ago that said the difference between the girl who obsesses about going to the gym all day and thinks that she needs to be super motivated and gets really worried and works herself up and believes that she needs a ton of motivation and then finally drags her ass to the gym that night and the girl who just goes because she goes, yeah. the results at the end are precisely the same. They're <laughs> yeah. literally the exact same thing. But the difference is one of them's had to use that obsession across the board. And I think that that's like the number one trick of motivation is that for a lot of stuff, you don't actually need to be motivated. You just need to do it. Yeah. And that sounds very circular, but it is the truth. Yeah. But the end goal is that the outcome is the outcome. And you can achieve that as long as you do the thing regardless of how much and that with the eating disorders and the classic body dysmorphia that I think is pretty rampant oh, in the fitness industry. rampant! Um, all of that stuff is people who are using something quite negative to put them in a good place, but they could still get to that good place without having to feel all the negativity.
1: Yeah. And that's why I said like the most common mistakes I see are, you know, people getting <clears throat> caught up on you know, the timing and the certain foods And it's like, dude, none of it makes a difference. Like, I hate to break a dip, you know, it's it's not going to make even a measurable difference, you know, especially for most 99% people. Like, if you're a top 1% bodybuilder or athlete, you know, yeah, okay, it's good to position some, you know, protein and, and calories around your workouts. But for a gym who, you know, just works out in the office, as a wife and kids, and he just wants to get in better shape, you know, get shredded down a bit for summer. So you would be wearing it like that. Got you. Yeah, what got do you it. think
0: that YouTubers, fitness YouTubers, know about making content that most other content creators don't?
1: I think that they know well about informing people. Because, you know, fitness unless you're like showing off your physique you know what are you talking about you got to give information really and so that's a thing i think a lot of vloggers like you know you see some vloggers in l.a they're like you know young kids or whatever and you know i'm sure you're blown up but they go about their day and you don't really get give anything to your viewers i think that's one thing that fitness youtubers and the fitness industry is good at is informing people and and being as educational as possible and showing off your knowledge and you know we have just been ragged on the fitness industry there by the way i love the fitness industry and the best people i've met my entire life like you know, mike for example you know, yourself you know if you know, mike have been um connections made through fitness so i think you'll actually find an extremely positive community on the most part because everyone's exercising and working out and I think exercising regularly, you know, it doesn't have to be like super extreme. You don't know, be a bodybuilder, but I think exercising regularly is possibly one of, the, if not the best thing someone could do. Actually, like I'm Rob Lipset and I believe in fitness. <laughs> you know, I, I think it is the most important thing. Like when people are like, Rob, what's the most important part of your day? I'm like, getting a session in, working out, you know, and I, and it's not like, I'm not, I'm not half as impressive as Mike or a lot of these guys, but just how it makes me feel, you know, and it kind of like anchors my day in the sense it's like once I get a good workout in, like the rest of the day just flows well, you know, and something to, something to look forward to when you wake up as well. And so I think the majority of people would be a lot better off. If they if They did some form of resistance training,
0: including some YouTubers as well, probably. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, man. I don't know, like, personally for me, I, I've started watching um, a bunch of stuff from probably the same kids you're talking about in LA. Yeah. And some of it is, like, enjoyable, mindless watching. Yes. But it's a sort of thing that afterwards I feel a bit guilty yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, I feel guilty after going on TikTok. I, 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 oh, God, that's, dude. Yeah. We, were with, numbing. we were with a girl out here and my buddy George asked to see her screen time. And she was averaging nine hours a day <laughs> on her phone three and a half hours every day was on TikTok. And apparently he was just sat there like watching and the way that she was moving was just like, flick, flick, oh my flick, God. flick, flick. And I, I would go out and say on a limb, TikTok is the least value-adding platform ever created.
1: I would probably agree with that as well. Like there's a few... It counts like motivational ones or ones about like business, of the very hard to find. Yeah, <laughs>
0: the it's majority of them is people, dancing. Yeah, and people making the, <coughs> the uh, swimming pools turn green. Oh, I haven't seen that. Have you not
1: seen this? They put, like, <laughs> you <they're>, obviously <laughs> spend a bit more time on it than me. Like,
0: yeah, maybe I do. Um, but I, honestly, man, like I, I, it really does sort of fucking concern me that how much can you get across in the space? What's the maximum a TikTok can be? 15 seconds, or 30 seconds? Something like it's that. Yeah. Short. Yeah. So you're right. You have to get through a lot of crap for a small length duration of something that might be slightly informative. Yeah,
1: I, and Joe, you know what, what concerns me about that screen time of the person you mentioned there—nine hours—is probably more than they sleep.
0: They'll spend more time on the phone than they are asleep. That, that
1: scares me as well. And sleep is another one. I, I've, I'm not a good sleeper. Like, I. What's that mean? Like, as in, I struggle to get. I, I have so much energy when it comes to the end of the day. I'm, like, staring up at the ceiling, like, can't fucking wait for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and I just end up not sleeping. And <clears throat> I, I always wake up early. <clears throat> <clears throat> that chronic kicked in. That's fine. So, yeah, I always wake up early, like, just automatically. Like, I wish some days I could sleep in. But I, I really struggle at getting to sleep early, um, which is really bad and something I need to focus on. And will massively help your fitness as well. Huge. And everything. sleep I watched... It was... When I really got enlightened on sleep, it was Joe Rogan podcast. Matthew Walker. Yes. Number 1109. Yeah. Tell that, That send it to a lot of people. That is impressive. But it was like the first time when I was like, whoa, sleeping's cool yes as I was like, sleep as dope as hell dude
0: I would love to know how many people got red pilled on sleep by that one podcast it, I think
1: it's one of the most viewed JRE episodes it's ever, fucking right? unbelievable if you
0: haven't listened to it 1109 on Joe Rogan oh, watch yeah. it on YouTube I'll listen to it Dr yes. Matthew Walker who wrote Why We Sleep yeah, and he's at the sleep diplomat on Twitter yeah. it's just yeah, no, it's such a fucking good name yeah, isn't sick.
1: It? Yeah. Yeah. My, I changed my bio to a Chief Pancake Inspector at Few Cakes <laughs> But yeah, no, I that, that got red-pilled on sleep there, and um, it's it's sick. I never thought you could make a subject about lying down in the dark so interesting. One stuff. of the things that I think is
0: why that resonated with a lot of people, and you're seeing a lot of sleep technologies now from about... <laughs> <Damn's> coffee. Yeah. Whack. I have no idea why I'm not sleeping. yeah. Um, <laughs> One of the reasons I think that people really resonate with it and you're seeing stuff like sleep masks and different binaural beats that help you go to sleep, the chili pads, mattress topper, different types of fancy mattresses and yeah. uh, pillows and uh, weighted blankets, all of this sleep technology. The reason that I think that's getting so much attention is that it's one of the few things that's ubiquitous across all of society. True. Everyone yeah. needs to sleep, Everyone. right? Everybody also probably needs in one form or another to have a bit of fitness in their life everyone also needs to look at their diet like no one's not moving eating or sleeping everyone's doing that in one form or another so that's why the broadness of the market that you can access is so big and i think that yeah matthew walker i i honestly wonder how much of like the sleep industry he and, and, and other people like him have kicked off
1: yeah so the way you said sleep industry there I'm like is it like the fitness or gaming industry where they like make beef about each other <laughs> you like heard he's Matthew Walker only sleeps seven <laughs> hours per night <laughs> I looked in his window last yeah. night I saw him awake yeah. lying on his phone
0: his face mask was lying half off he's yeah. such a noob <laughs> yeah no that would be that would also be good I'd love to find Matthew Walker have a bunch of beef like the Game Changers documentary debating oh, about different stuff
1: oh that was that was a little of shite like I, I couldn't make it through that one either like that was cherry picking at it's finest yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's
0: man that, uh, that's a whole other rabbit hole for us to get down yeah. but
1: yeah I think um, yeah I don't actually don't want to anger the vegans for people that want to like you know save the animals they're the most angry violent people I've ever <laughs> come across in my life
0: so there's, a, there's an interesting article I read recently about this, right? You have two ends of the scale. <clears throat> One is an end which is very newsworthy but polarizes people. That's the ones that you're talking about. So yep. Peter that will throw pig's blood on people wearing Canada goose and stuff like that. Yeah. Then at the other end of the scale, you have people who are doing animal change but very reasonably... But the problem is that it's not as newsworthy because it's not as uh, as speculative, it's not as attention-grabbing. So if you're making, for instance, a reasonable argument, factory farming for animals that never see the light of day, There's not many people other than farmers that are defending that. No, no, no. It's such a reasonable argument that it almost doesn't need to be said and would quite easily convert people. Yes. But because it's so reasonable, it doesn't make headlines. Yeah. And on the other end, the one that does, and what happens is inevitably all of veganism gets branded by its most extreme elements. Yes. When we're talking about the left versus the right, the right gets branded as racists that wear... KKK hood, and the left gets branded as feminists with purple hair. Like, (laughs) it's not. Like, the middle is the fattest section of both of those groups. The same with the animal change stuff. Yeah. But, unfortunately, the reasonable, well-thought-out vegan movement that's trying to make really good progress in terms of animal welfare... Gets totally like dissuaded by someone that will spray paint the side of a Land Rover (laughs) uh, like outside of a farm. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy, and it's like it's a catch twenty two. Because it's like, you know, that's what people hear about, but what people should be hearing about is, is, you know, the reasonable argument, but they don't. So, yeah, you know, and that that's the same with anything, like even with politics. I'm sure most people are reasonable people that listen to both sides, but we they always don't just, make headlines. That don't make headlines. So, we always just hear about the extreme left and, and the extreme right. So, system. I tweeted the
0: other day, reasonable people rarely make headlines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nick, can I get you to just, uh Check that uh, iPhone still recording. I forgot to put it on airplane mode, and I'm terrified someone's rang me. Yeah, yeah, no, it's
1: lovely. Oh, okay. beautiful. beautiful, beautiful. Don't, no, no one's ringing you. No one's ringing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three a.m. In, in the
0: UK. Bro, no one cares. She's ghosted you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your advice to someone that wants to start a
1: successful YouTube channel? Right, consistency, quality, weekly, monthly. I, I would say at least twice a week and like that's it, that's the hardest part you know that's the hard I've I only uploaded like once per week the last like few weeks I'm going to pick it up now when I need to like focus on something like be a competition or you know launch a new brand I, I I dial it in but consistency is what will build a relationship with your viewers because they're seeing you regularly um, and it's like you know what I mean? Like, let's say you watch a series like Game of Thrones or something. It's like out every week. You know, people follow the story. That's kind of like what they want with YouTube watching, you know, your life or your, the information you put out. They want to like follow it and they, they want it to be regular really. And um, so consistency and obviously quality stuff that gets shared and an elicits or an emotional response is really a way to go. And of course, that's, you know, very easier said than done, of course. Um, but yeah, I think building that community is super helpful. And I think YouTube is the most powerful of all social medias. In terms of like me for my, you know, the pancakes, the, the training plans, my book, whatever it is, and YouTube has made the most sales for that. Because when people look at an Instagram pic of you, know, you doing an app selfie, that's it. You know, it's a, it's a still image. Whereas we're doing 60 frames, 60 still images per second here you know so people get to know you a lot better and they build that relationship with you and it's like there's a lot of people in the fitness industry that like put my physique to shame but you know they can't string two sentences together they can't talk to a camera you know and so you know, they've been less successful whatever you define that as um, you know in the fitness industry so because you know they're they're not they're not talking to their viewers I said this to Mike I
0: was so fascinated to see what would happen if fitness instagram has started a youtube channel and if fitness youtube has started a podcast because i've I've got this theory that most creators max out at the top of the curve of what they can produce yeah now i have a challenge being less verbose i like to talk for an hour and a half so when i start vlogging my little clips that i've been trying so hard out here and i was asking mike i'm like dude how do you get what you need to say into 20 seconds like it's so, it's so difficult yeah that's my challenge to become less like um verbose yeah. whereas I would hazard a guess that tons and tons and tons of Instagrammers, especially in the fitness world, would be so found out if
1: you asked <laughs> them to sit down for an hour and have a conversation. Exactly. That, that is so true. And one thing I've been saying this for about a year is I need to get on the podcast hype because I could f- go on and on for hours. But I think in terms of what we just mentioned there, YouTube, Instagram, and um, podcasts, I think podcasts are without a doubt the most informative and what really gets you a captivated audience. If someone listens to you speak for three hours, they're going to be invested but in it. But you know? what's your average view time on YouTube s- s- I wouldn't know the average. I'd have to go into analytics, but most of my videos are between 20 to 40 minutes long. Are they really? Yeah. So yeah, yours yeah, are yeah. a bit longer. Yeah, 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 definitely. So you want yeah. maybe
0: 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes-ish on an average watch time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably. so the equivalent on a, let's <laughs> say that you're doing a podcast, the analytics on the back end of Apple Podcast Connects for me, a 70 to 75% completion. So you're talking about a 45 minute average listen time. And that's because when you put a podcast on, you're not constantly being hit by other temptations. There's not a thumbnail for the what's up next. And you're not not able to swipe down and have a little bit of a look about
1: That's so true. It's like being a kid in a candy store. You're like, oh, you you see tits and a thumbnail. And you're like, all right, Rob, I'm out (laughs) of (laughs) here.
0: Shut up about Dubai, Rob. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a booty selfie over here. Yeah. I can't compete with that. Yeah. So (laughs) the retention that you get on audio is significantly better. But I think that you're right. Like YouTube is in terms of enacting change and developing an audience, definitely the most powerful. Another thing I learned a couple of years ago is the potential for VR to change people's perceptions. So you got to think, everything that we're doing really is being mediated by a flat screen. Yeah. Whether it's a still image, whether it's a video, whether it's a really good video, whether it's short, long, whatever it is, there's like an upper bound on how immersive that can be because it's only ever a flat screen or maybe a big tv or whatever but they did studies where they um, showed people the effects of tree felling on a vr headset tree felling knocking down trees to make paper and it permanently changed their approach to paper wastage so basically the the point is that as we get into more and more immersive technologies into ar and vr and holographics into whatever it might be that that is going to raise the ceiling of how much impact we can have. Like if you think it's quite difficult back in the day in World War II, Hitler would have been using oratory, but it couldn't have been recorded and replayed because not everybody would have had a TV. You would have used the radio, but you don't get the visual with it. You would have been reading stuff, but that, that paper is quite un- un- unengaging. Yeah, yeah. And now what we're doing is slowly raising that ceiling of persuadability of the platform. And then when AR and VR come along, augmented reality, virtual reality, it's just going to go through the ceiling. So when you get the opportunity, man, virtual reality training sessions, get your headset on and train with Rob Lips. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, the owner of of bodybuilding.com, that's what he's invested massively in. Is it really? He's he's invested in, I don't know the exact ins and outs, but something like a, a VR gym. Or something. And like, you know, he's... he's obviously oh no, with Ty Green. Yeah, Trey, For real, you know? Like, like this is the next step. And one of my favorite... I'm actually really into, you know, this whole AI and virtual reality world. I think it's super interesting. <laughs> watch us Ready Player One. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much Sam Harris now. <laughs> but, so, I, I think it's super interesting. And like I said, I, I think it's, it's one to watch. Are you a simulation guy? So... <laughs> It's my favorite brass.
0: Yeah. Uh, Nick Bostrom's <laughs> simulation hypothesis is very, very hard to refute. Like yeah. it's, for the people that don't know what it is, it's a three-step argument that justifies why we're not in root reality, i.e. why we're living in a simulation. Um, here's another interesting thing for you that adds to the simulation argument.
1: Hit me.
0: Okay, so have you heard of the Planck length? I have not. Right. So the plank. (laughs) Wait, is
1: this how much uh, I can hold a plank for? Yes,
0: it is. It's actually how long your plank is. Um,
1: What about side planks?
0: Yeah. (laughs) So the plank length is the, it's created by, I think, Max Planck, and it denotes the smallest length that exists. So below this, there is no smaller amount. And it sounds bizarre because you should be able to just continue halving stuff until it gets smaller, but that's not. Now, the way that that relates to the simulation hypothesis is that you would not be able to simulate a universe with unlimited fidelity or an unlimited resolution. So you remember your old CRT TV. If you went up right close to it, you could see the pixels. Yeah. And then now we've got retina displays that our eyes can't pick up, but if you had a super magnifier, you would be able to see that as well. And the argument is that the reason that there is a minimum length within the universe, which is the Planck length, is because that's the resolution that the universe is created at.
1: <laughs> yes! We are living our best simulation right now, people. Well, I mean, have you heard the fine-tuned universe argument as well? I haven't heard that one. But wait, well, before you go... So, and now I'm going to with this, okay? I'm going to push this. But what's the, the study? They studied something like neurons or energy, and it changed the way it moves when people looked at okay. it.
0: So that's quantum theory. Yeah. That observing a particle means that you can't basically see... The uh, motion and the position of something at the same time, yeah, and observing it forces it to go into one or the other now the specifics of that like this is where that looseness in the system is where people like Deepak Chopra who I fucking hate <laughs> like they slot in all sorts of weird quantum spookiness about like energy and 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 spirits and stuff like that yeah but, I read the uh,
1: secret yeah I <laughs> no, get him off get him off the podcast this is,
0: this is it over now. <laughs> yeah um but yeah, it's, uh, it, that is, that, that's an interesting one. This uh, thing to do with fine-tuned universe, right? So there is a number of different universal constants. One of them is gravity. One of them is the weak, uh, strong and weak um, forces. One of them is a slight push away that all of the matter in the universe has. And the only way that we could have this particular universe where matter is pushed apart so much that it, it uh, counteracts gravity but isn't pushed apart so much that it allows gravity to bring things together. The level of fineness, the knife edge that that's on for absolutely everything is so, so unbelievably precise. It's like one part in a trillion, 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 trillion. If it went left or right, more or less, that the universe wouldn't exist. Yeah. And that as well is another thing where people just think, it makes a fucking good
1: argument that we're in a simulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah, But it's not like it changes anything. It's like, yeah, hey, right, we we'll just live our best with a simulation.
0: Did you listen to Nick Bostrom, the guy that came up with the simulation hypothesis on Rogan, where Rogan didn't get the argument? No, I that, that'd be me now.
1: I, oh. I don't think I've heard that. Was he on Lex Friedman? Nick? I'm not sure. Yeah. He's
0: like a Swedish guy, bald head.
1: Oh, he was. Yes, I did listen to it. Yes, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. So amazing. on
0: Rogan... He tries to explain, like his crowning work, right? This simulation thing tries to explain it to Joe. And I've been a fan of Nick. Superintelligence is my favorite book on AI, which is what Sam Harris relates to. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, fucking yes, yeah. Rogan's going to nail this. Nick Bostrom's amazing. Nick uh, gives one hour of press per month, that's what he allocates out of his schedule one hour of press per month. So to get him out to LA to record with Joe in the studio, you know, probably took up like four months allowance or something. And I'm I'm thinking this is going to be unreal. And the final hour is just a fucking loop of Joe not understanding the simulation hypothesis. And it's so painful. And someone commented below saying, I wish I was living in a different simulation where Joe Rogan understands
1: the simulation (laughs) hypothesis. It's so fucking funny, man. That's quality. And and as a podcaster yourself, like... Who do you look at as the goat? Like Rogan. Who? Rogan. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's unbelievable, man. Yeah, The reason that I'm glad, John, you know I'm glad you said that because some, some people try not to say that as if they're like, they're saying Underground like... Underground hero. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, they try to say like some fucking unknown podcaster. Yeah. I'm glad you that. So I, I think, think
0: like the, the best yeah. guys that I admire, the ones that are the most precise speakers, but what Rogan does particularly well is he asks the question that you would have asked yeah. if you'd had 30 minutes to prepare... But he just continually does that throughout an episode. Yeah. And what you hear is him say the thing that you wanted to know without knowing that you wanted to know it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, that is where I wanted the conversation to go. Yeah. He very rarely interjects and forces something to go left because he preps, but he doesn't prep too much. It means that he's always just happy to allow the conversation to flow and he'll gently try and guide it towards So he's great. Sam Harris is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, ben Shapiro is the most precise speaker on the planet. He's fucking love unbelievable. him, love him, so good. Uh, Jordan Peterson's out of rehab, so yeah, saw that. He's coming out with yeah, a new book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I emailed Penguin Random House <coughs> yesterday. Let's see what happens. He's nice. Um, so yeah there's there's some good guys but I, I do think
1: the intellectual dark web
0: yeah did you see that Sam Harris handed his membership card back in I shit you not I'm like give it to me yeah, yeah it's the most like it was so fucking interesting I don't know Trump derangement syndrome's fully got Sam yeah 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 I was, he's, he's very I
1: he's it. gone full left you know like fuck. very but too much to left
0: I just think he's he was so blinded by the fact that he didn't like Trump yeah and then I don't know, man. As do, someone, you know,
1: do you know what? I saw the funniest point made to um, people, Biden voters. They're like, name name one reason to vote for... Name a few reasons to vote Biden without mentioning Donald Trump.
0: Well, it's the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. A, and getting in off of... Can we really say in 2020 that the best politicians of the leaders of the biggest nation on the planet... Both should be as incompetent as those two. Yeah, yeah. Like, There's something off. Y- yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know how it got there. Yeah. What? What's, how does Ireland work? Who's in charge? John,
1: you know, funny enough, I follow like American politics more than Irish politics. Me too. So we, we have um, a, a Taoiseach, which is like our Prime Minister. A what? It's Irish for like Prime Minister, pretty much. What's it called? Taoiseach. So I it's... speak Irish. Like, me Tatu, Tome Gamma, Tome Os Aaron, Agus, uh, Rabordus, Adam Dunn. That, that what was that? That hey, was up? Um, you know, Rob is my name. How's it going? I'm good. I'm I'm from Ireland. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. so like, like. Tea shook. Tea shook. Yeah. Right, prime minister. So we have a prime minister, and like, of course, you know, that is the person who runs the country. Pretty much as the final say. We also have a president that, who doesn't really do much. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's Weird. it's strange. It's like just the president. Okay. He just mainly goes to rugby matches and like you know kind of like, like a dress chef. he's a legend he's got my miguel d higgins and he's what like he's like a poet well his name is michael d higgins reverend calls him Miggle d why this <laughs> is an irish name called M- oh Miggle my God. and so he got just chills so i want to be president of ireland one day i was gonna say have you considered that as a retirement plan? oh definitely yeah for sure so i, I don't want to be t-shirt because it's too serious <laughs> I'm, like, a lot I'm like, if you could just slide me into the presidential role, that would be great. And so the goal would be, I'm actually quite like about this. So the goal would be to have just a huge focus on health and fitness and be, become the strongest, fittest nation in the world. I, I truly do believe in fitness. I swear to God, if if I got became president, okay, first of all, I have a YouTube channel as well. Like, why doesn't Trump block? <laughs> I'd, f- I'd subscribe I'd subscribe you know, it's like can we just get those Twitter rants on video please that would be yeah. something so I would do you a know, weekly vlog as the prez you know and I just got a rugby yeah you got a rugby I'm like right, boy, he's going to the Ireland match today <laughs> come on again yeah, yeah. they're like so you got a match on yeah, this does weekend. it even work yeah, yeah and so you get a sick house of, you get a, the Irish White House like. well, alright yeah the Irish where is it on. yeah it's in Phoenix Park it's like right in the biggest park in Ireland. It's great, and so I'd be present and I'd get, encourage Really huge focus on health and fitness. That's going to improve the mental health of the nation. It's going to make people more productive. I'd get people in the right jobs as well. So it's going to be a lot more motivated, mo- motivated, and the economy would increase in turn. And again, the health bill would come down massively. And so I'm like, there's not, I don't hear enough politicians talking about hitting the gym. Dead serious, by the way. Not enough politics talking about calories. Not enough politics about, you know, mental health and not enough politics about doing something passionate about. People are like, Oh, this is too cliche. You know, what about GDPR? And I'm like, no one knows the fuck GDPR even stands for. <laughs> so that's it. That's it. Rob, is the president, I'm 28 now, you gotta be 35 to run, so give me a couple years. Seven seven years and those yeah, are your policies. Yeah, seven swole- years I'm like
0: I'm like, what's twenty eight and what's thirty five? The swollest <laughs> nation in the world. <laughs> Pretty
1: much like a nation of warriors, as Irish are meant to be. So, so there it. is
0: like an interesting point there, the fact that the difference between our parents' generation and ours is <clears throat> so vast, right? Like, I don't hear my dad talking. Ooh. When my dad talks about health and fitness, he'll talk about Ooh. walking the dogs. Like yeah. that's everyone's well, mom and dad, right? Still Yes, now. yeah, of course. But Same. when we're parents, that's not going to be our view of the world. No, no. And I wonder, there will be a point at which the level of awareness of health, fitness, mental well-being, diet, sleep everything how you accrue wisdom how you deal with negotiations everything social media full works that's going to continue to take over the old world Mm. um and i wonder whether or not i don't think that there's going to be another shift at least in the next 100 years in terms of insight as much as there was between our parents generation and ours yes so i think the gap is so wide between them and us I don't think that there's another one really to come, or at least I can't see Me neither.
1: And so what what year were you born in? Uh, 1988. Yeah, so I was born in ninety. So around that area, we've lived in both non-phones and phones. I think that's the biggest transition in the history of mankind, really. You know, so I don't think, like you said, I don't think the two generations will be so different because now... Now it, it's going to be like phones to phones. Yeah, you know, it's going to be kids, smart phones, you, smart phones. your kids,
0: you're going to be able to teach your kids how to use whatever the technology exactly. is. You're going to have an understanding around the fact that you probably don't need to use it too much, yeah. but everyone's mum or dad has said I-, I can't log into my Amazon account or can you help me set up online they banking they do not my
1: parents do not have Amazon
0: They do they not no my dad's oh. on my account so I see all of the stuff that he orders like, it's like dad it's a a constant-
1: blow up darts <laughs> like,
0: it, it's all just DIY kit it's constant <laughs> like dad another drill what do you need
1: another drill for <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's awesome good yeah. but yeah the, the difference is, is just insane and I think I was looking at um the curve in technology progression. And it's like, it's on an exponential peak. It's just going insane. And I'm just like, when are we getting singularity? You know, when's that come?
0: So fucking out! don't get me down this route. Okay. Up, yeah, right, it's right. just, there's a book, there's a book that you can listen to called the precipice by Toby Ord. Yep. And it's the best book on existential risk, which includes uh, misaligned artificial general intelligence that you will ever hear Get it on Audible. everyone. If you haven't already, please go and get it. Um, and that they did a study at a uh, conference of artificial intelligence researchers, and the average time that was presumed for us to hit singularity is fifty years.
1: Yeah, like I love so, it. it's within our lifetime. That's that's mad, and I'm so glad to say that. I'm like, I can't wait for our robot overlords. <laughs> Oh, like finally, some shit's gonna get done around here. Yeah, no, we should show up a bit sooner.
0: Waiting, waiting for these <laughs> stupid technology to arrive. Um, these
1: humanoids.
0: What do you think is the biggest difference between American and British YouTubers?
1: That's so funny, and I'll, I'll lump Irish in there yes. as well, even though there's very few Irish YouTubers, and it's so funny because Irish are very begrudging that when someone does something different, they're like. What the fuck do you think you're doing? You know, so I, when I started, like, so much hate. They're like, who's your man think he is in the gym lifting weights? Doing his fucking bicep curls, what? And I was just like, fucking look, I got fired. I dropped out of college, I got a nest too. <laughs> but so, the difference with Irish and British YouTubers, I think American YouTubers are so, hey, what's up guys you know it's so animated whereas irish and british are like a bit more chilled a a bit more homely um so there's like certain appeals to both as well but americans are just just like baltics they're so in your face you know it's it's just so outrageous
0: yeah they are it's i don't know whether they think this about us but whenever i see americans on tv even just doris in the street yeah Uh, they always sound so media trained. Bro. They always come across, and I'm like, that sounds so much cooler than whenever I see like Janice, at 63 from Wigan, like talking, <laughs> giving her thoughts on lockdown, and she's yeah, taking yeah, the yeah. she's taking the terrier to the corner shop. Yeah, yeah. and you're like, There's this is terrier going, with the bloody red you know, eyes. This is going
1: out to the world. Like you're an ambassador <laughs> for this entire nation. What the
0: fuck's going on?
1: But make an ambassador for Wigan. <laughs>
0: yeah, perhaps.
1: But yeah, no, it, it's so funny. And do you ever watch them? Um, it's on, it's a podcast as well, but it's, their Instagram account is so funny. The All Gas No Breaks yes. podcast. Oh my God, it's so funny. <laughs> it's just outrageous. Like, people are like, why Claw! <laughs> it's so funny.
0: The, and so that, All Gas No Breaks is something that I need to get into more but they're so popular it's, yeah, it's come out no so, it nowhere. A certain
1: hum- it's certain humor some just, the, the way they edit it as well is just hilarious
0: as your platform grows how do you deal with negativity and criticism online
1: i, I think i actually care a bit less about it as it grows i just kind of you get kind of used to it like the first time you ever get a mean comment online you're like what you like why'd you say that to me how could this be happening and then like you just get so used to it and now i find it really funny like, first of all, I actually get very little hate online. Like, half the, you know, if he ever is a negative comment, like, sometimes it's joking, you know, like, and it's just like, you gotta learn to laugh at yourself. I think that's a huge skill to have, is, is just learning to just laugh along with things and just, yeah, yeah you know what, it's pretty funny. And then when you see someone who's like, recursing, you know, fuck you, wanker, blah, 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 all the, every name under your sun, you're like, You can't take that seriously. You can't get offended by that. If you get offended by that, you're you're an idiot, you know. And so that's it. You just kind of get used to it, and you just understand that some people are bored, and you know they just have a bit too much time in their day, and just give them a bit of empathy. Their simulation, yeah, their simulation. So it's something they've got their simulation on like difficulty setting extreme. (laughs) And they're like, oh, God, well, I need to rip on Rob for to, a little bit. I
0: need to start again with a better
1: skin upgrade,
0: yeah, and like yeah. new outfit, yeah. blah, blah. I need to
1: purchase some add-ons in yeah. the yeah. app store. <laughs> 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 so I, I really don't mind at all. And funny enough, you, you never meet a hater in real life, you know? Um, and, that's, but, good, that's an interesting insight. Yeah, yeah, you never meet a hater in real life. So it's just weird when people have, like, these anonymous accounts do you know what I like about it too? It's like when you're a kid, you do you know the I don't know what we call them in the UK like in America they call them a doorbell ditch. In Ireland they yes, call them yeah. knickknacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so you have know, to go up and ring door and run away. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like it's that. just kids like uh, they're li- or, or a prank phone call just leaving a little comment anonymous and run away really. So it's not something to take too seriously at all. What's happening long
0: term? You going to be a YouTuber at fifty years old? What's mm-hmm. the plan?
1: Well, you know what? Okay, so. I, you mentioned this before and you know, it's like, oh, you don't want to be being a YouTuber at 50 and I was like, maybe I do. You know, I'm like, I used to think that. I was like, okay, I don't want to, you know, be doing this forever. Then I'm like, Joe Rogan's 52. He's the best YouTuber in the world, pretty much, at, like on paper. You know, he's killing it. Casey Neistat, Gary V, uh, Jordan Peterson is a YouTuber. He's a more subscribers than me. <laughs> he is most definitely YouTuber. Sam Harris, and then I'm like, Wait, all the people that I watch most on YouTube are all like in their 50s. So I used to think like, oh, man, I can't be doing like these little vlogs forever. And in some way, that's true. Like, you know, I won't be my it'll maybe turn into a podcast or, you know, something like You and that style of video. I, I love that. But I'll definitely always be online for the long term. And of course, I'm setting up companies along the way, the pancake venture. That tell, go- tell me about that. So that goes live today at 10 p.m. Dubai time, which is 6 p.m. Ireland, UK time. So basically, I'm always making protein pancakes on my channel. And my first ever viral video over a million views was how to make protein pancakes. And at the time, I am in. I'm living in like a hostel. And I'm trying to start YouTube because, yeah, I had no job and I got um, dropped out of college. And so I'm just trying to, like, make it as, like, a YouTube fitness YouTuber, like, a personal trainer. And so I'm making a video, like, how to make perfect protein pancakes from scratch. And there's, like, 10 different ingredients. They're really good and they blow up. And, you know, so now to this day, it's, like, a thing with my channel. It's like, hey, you know, watch this Rob Lipson making protein pancakes. And so I'm, like, I'll just make my own perfect pancake company. Yeah. And so it's great. It's been up, the Instagram page has been up 48 hours. It's got like 11,000 followers and it goes live today. And like, I I can't wait to see how it does, but I want to turn that into a household name. Like, you know, I I want to get that in the supermarket. So I want everyone to be starting their day or finishing their day with that. I love breakfast at night. What's special about that? It's the macros? The macros are are amazing. And I'm not saying this. Most of the time when you buy like prototype pancakes off a supplement company, the it's like the protein is super high, yes, but it tastes like shit. Yes. And then this one, you can't notice the difference. I truth hand, my, hand my heart. When I got the first sample, I sent it back and looked at the nutrition and ate them. And I said, Oh, they've actually sent us the wrong thing. These are just pancakes, there's no protein in them. And I go send them back to the lab, they, they obviously just send us like the wrong mix. And they're like, Nope, that's the nutrition profile. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I need to double check this. And then, and so they just taste amazing with having like insanely good macros, like the protein to carb ratios within a few grams. It's all gluten free as well for people that, you know, are into that. Um, really all like organic and natural ingredients, like very, very wholesome. And then they just taste amazing. And it's a cool brand. It's called Fuel Cakes. And so they, I modeled it around 1950s cereal boxes. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. retro. I like the brand. It's there. really, I didn't want to make it sell tech 9000. Yeah protein pancakes fuel cakes you know I'm just like well, I'm of fun with this and something that like my sister can you know have give to her mates and just something that everyone likes and so yeah I've got big visions for that I think it's probably going to be the biggest protein pancake company in the world it's my delusional self speaking again but you know I call me delusional I'm having a good time <laughs> but so that's that's launching tonight where so, can people go if they want to get them uh, Fuelcakes.com. so yeah and where do you ship uh, worldwide no way yeah it ships out of London uh, worldwide so I've got people fulfilling orders for me so yeah it's a big operation and I'm, I'm very confident in it so I've got that as well and then my online coaching app as well so um, that's that's huge you know it updates your training it uses a bit of AI as well actually so it updates your training and nutrition plan every month I've got loads of people kill it on that Got my book. I'm sure I'll write another book again in my lifetime. I want to do like an X-rated version. Like, so I have Penguin are my publishers. And I was like, I gave them the first book and they're like, first of all, why are you swearing in a fitness book? <laughs> they're like, second of all, this is way too complicated for like someone just to walk in and grab it off a bookshelf. So I have to dumb it down loads. So I want to make like fitness book, <laughs> like swearing and very complicated so that that's the, that's the end of worst but look to answer the question on, on what I'll be doing will I be on YouTube in, when I'm 50 probably I'd like I hope so I'd like to be Maybe we to haven't be.
0: seen anyone really do that obviously YouTube's only been around for an amount of time yeah. so you don't have people that have been on there for forever yeah you have authors who've written books Richard Dawkins wrote the selfish gene in like the 1970s yeah and he's still writing books now he wrote yeah. like a kid's atheist book a couple of years ago so you can see this trajectory but it will go him be- yeah, no, yeah. Um, it will be fascinating like santa's not real and night is god yeah, like, yeah. Fucking who knew the um, book you need to read yeah. you little fecker. <laughs> So, but i am going to be fascinated about what happens with youtube you know are you going to have people with like a 200 million sub account yeah. because they've a, just accrued subs throughout their entire life yeah. like PewDiePie going to be in 50 years time oh my time? god and do you
1: know what I find very interesting about if I really like a YouTube channel so do this with even like one you just find or a larger one like or whatever go to videos okay and instead of like clicking sort most popular or sort newest to oldest sort oldest to newest oh it's God. very interesting I do not do that on my channel like, yeah oh, man. <laughs> oh, you know what Christ. oh please do it on my channel if you want a good laugh seriously like it's hilarious but you'll go into like casey neesad or you know joe rogan and you see like they've been uploading for 10 to 12 years like i'm like i didn't know youtube's even that old like it's crazy so it'll be interesting if YouTube is around, if we haven't all nuked ourselves, if it says like...
0: Well, it doesn't really matter because all that we're doing is working up to our robot overlords yes. to come in. The and boys. Fix yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. once, once they've done it, everything becomes totally pointless in any way.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it'll be interesting in 20 years, like it will say like Joe Rogan, whatever, like last first vlog 35 years ago. And do you know what I think that's super cool about YouTube as well? is, like, you can watch stages in your life in HD. Like, I, I think it's amazing. You, know, you may cringe out of it. You have some old clips, but I, th- I think it's amazing at the same time. Like, I watched, like, some trips I went on in 2016 and 17, and I'm like, I'm so glad I have this on camera. I'm so glad. And I think it, what's going to happen is... Everyone, Everyone's on Instagram. Everyone. Everyone uploads their trips. I think everyone is going to start being a vlogger and uploading, like, things on YouTube. I think there's going to be, like, an app. There already is, but they're going to be better. An app that, like, puts all your videos from a trip together and makes it into a vlog. Mm. And I think people are going to upload on YouTube the same way they upload on Instagram.
0: That's probably the reason that YouTube creators there's so many fewer youtube creators than there are users yeah main reason being that the barrier to entry to make a video is significantly higher than it is Ours. to take a photo yeah. and just upload it to a platform like instagram Ours. yeah so it, actually that's that's a perfectly good argument that if you find a way that you can expedite and make easier and better the content to publishing Process, Yeah. Like it is, you know, you said about like, I've got to vet my girlfriends to make sure they can use fucking Final Cut Pro <laughs> yeah. and they understand what a creative commons license is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if that's the case, then there's a lot of other people who have that challenge. They're, they're like, right, okay, I have some cool shit that I've filmed, but it just goes on your Facebook or into the yeah. Instagram story and it goes away. Yes. But no one ever watches that again. It's not yeah. evergreen, right? So yeah, that's 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 a good one, man. Yeah, brother. I think
1: yeah, a lot of people are gonna be be uploading a lot more like trips and memories deadline and things are gonna be huge. So yeah, to answer the question, long winded, I'm gonna be the world's oldest YouTuber. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah
0: Fantastic. There
1: will be one of those actually yeah. at one point.
0: Yeah, uh fuelcakes.com, yeah, Rob Lipsit on YouTube, yeah, Rob Lipsit on Instagram. Yeah, and Rob Yeah, brother. That's thank true. you so much for today. Mate, it's been awesome. Thanks so much, I had a blast. Cheers. And we're out. Easy as that. Nice.